Well, hello and welcome to Between Movements podcast episode 12. It's been a very long time since I posted my last episode. That was back in May 2020. As you know, it was a crazy year. Uh, but those of you who have been following my YouTube channel know that I have been posting more recently, more vlogs and things. I'm sure most of you have seen on the news that there was crazy winter storm that hit Texas. So we were without power, on and off power from four to five days, extremely cold temperatures. Uh, because of that, the piano got pretty out of tune and I had to do several tuning sessions. Couldn't really practice during that time because there wasn't a lot of electricity or light and also didn't want to hurt the piano. When I could practice, it was so cold, my hands were freezing. So um, I'll be posting more of that soon. Things are back to normal, thankfully. And I'm going to try to get this podcast going again. The last episode I did was more based on improvisation. And I had mentioned uh, my dissertation topic on piano improvisation in classical music. I'm actually going to be going through that dissertation as a next series of podcasts upcoming. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But today, I specifically wanted to talk about piano technique for several reasons. One, because I teach and I've had lots of questions about technique uh, from students and from colleagues. It's just kind of a hot topic. If you search on YouTube piano technique, you'll find tons and tons of videos with lots of information on how to get better technique. They'll give you exercises. Some of them will go into the anatomy and physiology or the physics of motion. You'll find demonstrations. But what exactly is technique? especially when it comes to music, one of the definitions that I like most comes from the Oxford Dictionary, and it describes technique as a skillful or efficient way of doing or achieving something. A skillful or efficient way of doing or achieving something. And important in that concept is the fact that it's a skillful way of doing something, meaning that the technique is not the end in itself. Uh, a lot of times when you find technical exercises, I think there's a danger of falling into the trap that you try to get good technique just for technique's sake. So for instance, playing scales or arpeggios or even uh, some etudes, and the goal is speed or the goal is uh, just being able to play big chords and jump around really quickly from one end of the piano to the next, kind of like the circus act. But Musically speaking, it's always important to play within the context of, that the music calls for. And what I've realized is that there are, generally speaking, two schools of thought when it comes to technique in piano. The first school regards technique as more focused or emanating from the musical, whereas the second school treats technique as a more physical action and then transitions that into the musical. So it has to do with where you start from. Are you starting with the music as a starting point or are you starting with the physics and the movement of the body as a starting point? The pianist Vladimir Horowitz once said, but I have no phenomenal technique. There is that technique, the ability to play scales rapidly up and down the keyboard, which is necessary, but which becomes very boring after two or three minutes of listening. That instrument is capable of sounds which are loud or soft, but in between there are many, many degrees of sound which may be played. To be able to produce many varieties of sound, 
Now that is what I call technique, and that is what I try to do. Very interesting that Horowitz, who's regarded as one of the greatest pianists who ever lived, said he did not have phenomenal technique. Interesting. In Horowitz's definition of technique, we can see that he understood technique to be only the means to the end. Um, and in his case, the goal was an infinite variety of sound. And what's also furthermore interesting, because he said he has no phenomenal technique, is that must mean that his conception of technique is not the typical or normal understanding of technique. Um, and I think today I would probably argue that that is the case, especially because classical music is primarily uh, dominated by these huge competitions in the sense that uh, a lot of universities encourage this and a lot of pianists, uh, violinists, cellists, singers, you name it, get uh, most of their career start from, uh, from these competitions and that's sort of regarded as just the thing that you do. And in those competitions, oftentimes it's important to play very clean, very fast, very with a lot of fluidity, um, and sometimes not to take musical risks uh, because that might lower your score. So you generally have these sort of clinical approaches to music. Uh, once in a while, you'll have someone who can manage to play very clean and with imagination that doesn't uh, upset the judges too much. But similar to Horowitz's conception of piano technique, uh, Sergei Rachmaninoff was primarily concerned with sound and color, as we can see when his student, uh, Gina Bachauer, summarized her studies with him saying, studying with Rachmaninoff was one of the greatest experiences of my life. He was really one of the great specialists in tone and in color. For him, the sound he was producing was the greatest and most important thing. Technique and so on took a second place. The first place was color, color, color. So similar to Horowitz, Rachmaninoff uh, understood technique as only being associated with the musical goal that you're trying to achieve. Now the second school also has some extremely notable names. Uh, for instance, the legendary Joseph Hoffman, also considered one of the greatest pianists of the 20th century, one who was highly regarded for his technical abilities, said, you should see to it that you do not stiffen the wrist unconsciously as most players do. Talking about the use of arm weight, he states, by concentrating thinking, you should endeavor to transfer the display of force to the fingertips of holding the tension in your arm. The way I suggest, leave the arm practically limp and loose. It takes months of study under closest attention, however, to acquire this looseness of the arm. Another person who might be considered to be in the second school of thought, Heinrich Neuhaus uh, of Moscow School, very, very influential piano pedagogue, put it eloquently in the book, The Art of Piano Playing. The condition sine qua non for a good tone is complete freedom and relaxation of the arm and wrist from the shoulders to the tips of the fingers, which should always be at the ready, like soldiers at the front. So the question is, we have these two schools of thought, which of them is correct? Ideally, you want to have both, right? You want to have great technical ability and great musical ability. But I think to me, the question that is interesting is where is the starting point 
How do we achieve this technique? I'm not sure I can even answer that question for everyone. All I can do is give my own personal experience, what I've been through and what has worked for me. And for me, I tend to fall into the first camp of focusing primarily essentially on the tone and the color and the phrasing and then the technique falls into line with that and I wasn't always that way in fact for many years I was more convinced of the second school of thought um, maybe unconsciously because I wasn't and, and here's the thing I think being in that second school nobody would actually no great musician would actually say oh yes I'm trying to be mechanical which is more important than the musical. Obviously, it's a musical art form, but the way we talk about it, the way it's taught is not, it sometimes flips the process around. And here's what I think happens is you have a teacher who is very, very good at playing something um, and they see a student struggling with a certain passage. So they'll go to the piano, the teacher will sit down and play and that teacher will notice, oh, this is what I'm doing with my wrist and my fingers, and they'll tell the student, this is what you should do with your wrist and your fingers. Look what I do, you know? Um, but the problem is one is a byproduct of a process, and it's just very easy to teach it that way, I think, because you see your student struggling, and you want to address this external issue of the of what's happening, you know, with their arm or their body or their back or something. But as I've mentioned on some of my podcasts in the past, what ended up uh, leading to those technical breakthroughs for me was actually a better understanding of the music itself. And then I found myself doing some of the things my teachers had tried to get me to do and I had tried to force myself to do through just focusing on the physics and the mechanics of movement. A huge part of me thinks this just has to do with the way that different people learn. Um, for instance, when I was growing up, I was never very athletic. I didn't participate in a lot of sports. And therefore, I'd say I understood life mostly through my mind. I liked to read a lot. I liked to listen to music a lot. And maybe that physical movement side was a little less developed for me and so it was hard for me to think along those lines uh, maybe a person who is more prone to thinking you know or moving <laughs> maybe a person who has better natural technical facility might be better suited to this this method which focuses more on the mechanics however other times i doubt this is the case if you search about the conscious mind, what scientists understand is that we can really only focus on between one and four things at once. So the idea of multitasking, humans are just bad at multitasking, and what they find is we're not actually thinking of multiple things. We're very quickly cycling between uh, one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. However, the subconscious mind can process tens of thousands of things at once, just huge degrees of information um, that your subconscious mind is cycling through. I give the example of walking. When you're walking, you're not consciously thinking about every single movement that you're, that you're doing. It's just 
your body has learned this activity to the point where you just walk. You you want to get somewhere and you don't even have to think. And that's the goal for technique is to be something where you can just you can start playing and get through the piece without having your body get in the way of the music. So I think even for people who are more physically aware or talented or um, can process movement better, I, I, th I still think there's a danger of overanalysis because where does it end? For instance, of course, there's nothing wrong with saying your arm has to be loose and there's no tension from your shoulder to your fingertip. Obviously, that's, that's a true statement. Yes, tension slows you down. It can cause injury. Uh, you don't want any of those things. But the problem is where, where do you draw the line of thinking too much? Like when I was in the second school, I would go through each individual passage and think, okay, what angle should my finger be? Where should my elbow be in relation to my body? Where should I be sitting? Should I be further back? Should I be leaning this much? How much is too much? Um, and it just becomes this rabbit hole that ultimately led to more discomfort than before. Whereas when I focus on the musical aspects first, and then I play something, and I'm a huge advocate of filming, filming yourself, um, when I go back and I watch a video of my playing, then I can notice, oh, this is what my hand is doing, or this is what um, my arm is doing, and it's working. Uh, or vice versa, maybe you're like, oh, this, I look pretty weird there, it looks pretty odd, but it will always match with the sound. So the order is important to me, the focusing on the musical and then the physical follows. Um, I think to me it's a very important, crucial distinction because once I organically come up with this movement and once I notice it, then I can categorize it in my mind as, oh, that's what that arpeggio feels like. Oh, that's what that scale feels like. And I can scale it to larger things like this is what this whole phrase feels like. Um, and it becomes like walking from point A to point B rather than saying, first I need to lift this foot, then I need to uh, make sure my shoulders are above my ankles and my right arm is moving when my left foot is moving. You want to create that automaticity. Now I feel like I have to say this because anticipating some of the backlash against this first school of thought is, well, you could injure yourself if you don't have proper form, and that's a very valid point. This does not mean that you should avoid certain basic fundamental principles. Uh, but I don't think that there are that many principles that it needs to become overwhelming. So, um, for instance, you don't want your wrist to be too high or too low. You don't want to have a lot of tension. You don't want your fingers to be up in the air. Um, and you don't want to be stiff. Um, you don't want your fingers to buckle backwards in on themselves. But these are just basic, basic principles that are taught, you know, even from the first lessons. I feel like even from a layman's point of view, it's fairly obvious if you watch someone who appears very stiff and their movements are jagged and it's going to, uh, it's going to translate into the sound somehow, especially when you start getting into more and more difficult pieces. Uh, you might be able to get away with some things, but you'll find that it's getting in the way of your speed and your power if you're if you're doing some something wrong physically and of course 
the number one thing you should never be feeling pain like in the tops of your hands and your wrist you know even in your back i i take a lot more breaks than i used to i stretch a lot and going to the gym is really important you know just to have a stronger core to support all the time that you're sitting on a bench so yeah that's my basic thought if you focus on the music and then watch yourself play you can with the combination of those two things see if there's too much tension see if your technique is improving to fit the music if your musical ideas are always advancing your body's going to have to find a way to reach those goals let me know what you guys think in the comments if some of you disagree with me that's fine i want to know what you think or if this was helpful don't forget to subscribe to my channel you'll find more upcoming vlogs i'm, I'm going to be recording some projects soon also if you want to check out off the grid music studios channel we've got plenty of really cool videos uh one's going to be released this friday another one next week and then we've got several more lined up ready to go so thanks for tuning in and i'll catch you on the next episode of between movements podcast